This is a Fubar Radio podcast. For more information, go to fubarradio.com. Callum McSwiggan on Fubar Radio. Hello and welcome back to the Callum McSwiggan Show. Today I am joined by a very, very special lady. Somebody who everybody in the LGBT plus community knows. And it is the incredible Linda Riley. How are you doing, Linda? I'm doing all right. Thanks. Hi. Hi. It's good to have you here. So let's talk about all the incredible things that you are doing. So I know that you are in charge of Diva magazine. I am. I'm the publisher. You're the publisher. So tell me, because I feel like Diva is such an important magazine, because as far as I'm aware, and correct me if I'm wrong, it is the only lesbian magazine in the... Oh, I feel like I'm wrong. Am I wrong? No, you're right. You're right. (laughs) I am right, yeah. There was one other magazine that used to be a G3 magazine. I used to publish that, actually. Oh, okay. So I started off as the rival uh, to to Diva. Oh, and then you managed to slip in and, and steal it away. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so t- tell me tell me about t- t- tell our lovely listeners about diva if they don't already know about it which they absolutely should yep diva's been going uh, next year's our 25 year anniversary oh, wow that's incredible yes yeah, pretty long uh, almost older than me yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> and um it's for lesbian and bisexual women and um yeah it, it comes out monthly uh www.divamag uh, is the is the website and 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 do you ever I'm, I'm going in with the controversy already do you ever find a, a little bit frustrating that maybe the kind of because when people talk about the gay media media or lgbt plus media it so often seems to be like gay times attitude magazine magazines for gay men that seem to come up time and time again which i absolutely love those magazines i do i've never heard of them (laughs) gay times who (laughs) but but you know do you feel like um you know there's such i feel like the representation for lesbian and bisexual women like you were saying is is so so important and i feel like sometimes it can be overlooked everything always seems to be made about gay men and obviously diva is incredibly successful but there's that must be a little bit frustrating sometimes um yes it is but it's getting a lot better last yeah. couple of years been been a lot better last year we did the first ever big diva awards to sit down black tie dinner yeah i uh, had a lot of gay guys there as our allies um so things are improving when i when i first started in publishing it was it was a lot more difficult uh but uh i'm laughing about gay times and attitude but we do a lot of stuff together yeah um you know we may say well you run this article they're now they're now running more articles for women and we're also running more articles for gay guys so we're becoming more inclusive. That's yeah, no, it's it's really really amazing, and I feel like particularly over the past couple of years. I mean, I don't know what's changed or if anything's changed at all. I feel like Diva is getting its name out there a lot more. I tend to be seeing it. I, you know, people talking about Diva. I've even been to a couple of Diva events recently, and I think. I think that's wonderful. And I do think and I do think it's a great thing that we're kind of not just saying this is the magazine for gay people, this is the magazine for lesbians and just com- keeping them completely separate because I think you know there's so much shared experiences that we do share and I think you know it's relevant and you know I I I want I must admit I've never actually read a diva magazine. And I feel like I should slap myself on the hand for that. I feel n- naughty Callum, you know. I feel like it it's something that's relevant for all of us, especially within this community. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I became publisher two years ago, and one thing I decided when I did take over is that we wanted to be, we wanted to build the brand, um, have more gay guys talking about it, do more events uh, which gay guys are coming to. Mm. So, yeah, it's all going very well. And who contributes to Diva? You know, where do, where do you find the people who bring it, bring the magazine together and bring it to life? Um, we have a uh, very range. That's the other thing that I wanted to do. We have a very range of uh, contributors. We have um, freelancers. We have an editor, Carrie Lyle. Um, we have uh, Lady Phil, yeah. who's a, a regular columnist. I love Lady Phil. She's fantastic. <laughs> uh, if she's listening in now, I'd like to say happy birthday because I missed it yesterday. Oh, <laughs> happy birthday, Lady Phil. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we, you know, um, I like to think that what we try to do is make it more inclusive mm. uh, in the editorial content, in the photos that we're putting out. So um, we've got a big event, obviously, next week, the Diva Music Festival. So yes. we're doing uh, very big events. Well, that's what I was going to ask you about next, Sorry. because this is this is a really, really important thing. And as far as I understand, it's going to be the biggest all-female festival ever. I hope so. I I, I, I hope so too. Tell, so tell me more about that because I know the reasoning behind this is because I've got, I've got some statistics in front of me and I'm being told that 77% of, um, you know, festival headliners were, were male mm-hmm. and you guys really wanted to change that and you wanted to do something where it was all females, you know, because so much, you know, there's so much incredible music out there. It shocks me that 77% of that would be, would be, would be males at festivals. Yeah, I don't know why that is, because there are so many big uh, female names, you mm-hmm. know, artists. Um, what, with the Diva Music Festival, what we wanted to do was bring together an all-female lineup, yeah. but not, not all necessarily gay women. So yes. that's Katie Tunstall, um, Gabrielle are the big headliners. Yeah. But a massive, you know, obviously Heather Peace, who I'm doing the festival with, uh, we're co-partnering on this, is a big name. Yeah, she's amazing, icon. yeah. yeah. And she's also a great singer, so she's uh, headlining on Friday night. And then uh, lots of supporting artists. I think we've got about uh, 30 artists all together over the weekend. Amazing. It's in Great Yarmouth, which yeah. uh, a little bit of a trek. <laughs> it's a little bit, but, you know, it is for all, all good festivals are a bit of a trek. You know, it's part of, the, it's part of what makes festivals so much fun. That's right. At least we don't have to sleep in the mud. Yes. <laughs> hey, sleep, sleeping in the mud is, is part of the fun as well. You need a little bit of that. Not in December. <laughs> yeah, not in December. Um, so, so you mentioned that, you know, it's a, it's a mix of people. Do you, are many of the artists LGBT plus? Yeah, I would say uh, 70%. Okay, yeah. good. Uh, the majority are. Um, the headliners, um, no. Uh, uh, we've got Horse, we've got Red Sky July. We've got a massive mixture. We've got Toya, Toya mm. De Lazy, who's um, very, very big in South Africa, who's now living in London. Yeah. Um, then we're going to have DJs. It's going to be a big, one big fest. It's going to be fantastic. I, I, I do find what is quite interesting about LGBT plus artists and LGBT plus music because obviously on this show we only play artists who are LGBT plus and you know every week I'm trying to bring together the you know the the best new music I can find and I do find that most of the time it is women I feel like the LGBT plus artists you know taking up that space are women and there's actually a lot more women than men so again it, it you know it shocks me when other festivals and things that you know they're pushing all the men out there when so many so many women particularly lgbt plus women making incredible music i don't know what that is but i know there's a big call in the music industry i mean the, you, you must find this when you if you've got a lot of artists coming in they're they're highly encouraged not to come out still yeah um 
often I hear uh, people being told by the management to say they're bisexual maybe rather than fully mm. out. So there's there's a lot of problems that, you know, there's a long way to go to equality. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and how do, you, how do you think we change that? You know, because it's a really difficult thing. And you see, you know, I always use Troy Savannah as an example of this, you know, because he came out and, you know, his success only went up and up and up and up. And he's become this massive name now, you know. And I wouldn't say it's in spite of his sexuality. You know, I think his sexuality is part of who he is and it's part of his performance and it's part of his music. And I think it's a wonderful thing. And we're seeing success from him. And, you know, there are, he, Jess Glynn as well is another great example. So, what, you know, why are they being encouraged to keep it, to stay in the closet and keep it secret if we're seeing that it's not affecting their careers? I don't, I don't know. But from, from the names that you've named, can you say a big lesbian name, for example, that really comes off the tip of the tongue because what we're looking for is icons you know yeah. that, that encourages and inspires other people so i mean i love emily burns but mm-hmm. she I, I, she's not yet a huge name i feel like she's mm. not quite a household name mm. yet um and actually it's a very good point because i'm tr- kind of struggling to think of a you know a big huge lesbian icon and i guess that's a part of the problem can you can you name somebody well, actually i'm struggling myself and i'm a bit embarrassed i'm sure <laughs> i'm sure that if i think about it, i can come up with some but then i'm scared of actually naming them and i know they're out but they're not really out in public yes and again again it's quite it's um it's quite a tricky thing to do when when looking for lgbt plus music because a lot of the time i'm like i'm i'm fairly certain that person's lgbt plus but it's not like there's a an a a gay checker where you can go and check if somebody's LGBT plus or not, you know, and sometimes it can be quite ambiguous. So it can be quite difficult to know. And like, I don't think we should be putting everybody in a box and saying this person is an LGBT plus artist, but it can be quite tricky sometimes. Um, our lovely producer, Tegan and Sarah, Hayley Kiyoko and Katie Lang, Kid Lang. I actually don't know that third one. Thank um, you very much. I can't believe I didn't get Hayley. <laughs> yeah, she, and she's she's incredible, and she's definitely she's blowing up and going huge right now. I feel like though she's still not quite. You know, if you sat down your average person, I don't think everybody would be able to shout her name out. You know. Yeah, and, and Tegan and Sarah as well. So yeah. uh, Katie Lang, those very big household names. Um, but uh, as I said, the more people that do come out. Um, it does inspire other people, you know, yeah. and, and you're right about uh, Troy Sylvan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and how is, I guess, um, Diva, both the magazine, the music festival, even the awards, you know, how do you think you're making an impact on these things, you know, pushing out that representation, showing that there are incredible LGBT plus artists, music or otherwise out there? Uh, definitely. I mean, that's one of the things I set out to do when I took over as publisher of Diva is to... Um, is to just trying to think how to phrase this is to is to publicize and promote um lgbt artists mm. and actors and and uh you you know we try not to just put famous faces on the cover every month we try to put on faces that are homegrown talent as well and, and growing and grow with the artists and stuff so that's what we try to do at diva but yeah it, it's difficult mm. uh, the other the other issue as well is a lot of the younger generation um they don't like to be as you say boxed and be called a lesbian you know sure. and, and they're moving to do to different labels and stuff like that lots going on but still diva's very very popular yeah M- more popular than it was when i 
first took it over i hope amazing and if, if people want to come along to the diva music festival are, t- are tickets still available they are yep and where where can people find those uh if you go to the diva website or we've got the diva music festival www.divamusicfestival.com you can book online there it's going to be a fabulous event and um maybe uh yeah hope to see you there well i'm I'm kind of tempted to come myself you know i mean i and are you encouraging that are you encouraging people from all walks of life to come along absolutely yeah um that's one thing that uh because i do a lot of work in diversity aside from diva it's about inclusivity it's saying diva is for for women yeah predominantly gay women but it's inclusive you know like you're not going to knock on the door and uh, no men welcome no y- yeah you know, exactly which is really really important yeah because I, b- I believe and i may have this wrong um i believe you do the diversity awards as well is are you behind that are you the lady behind that <laughs> I, I, I am i am i've got the uh the day before the diva music festival i've got the european diversity awards uh, that's at the natural history museum those are the oh, wonderful biggest diversity awards across um Europe, so yeah. uh, seven hundred people. Wow! Yeah, yeah. and uh, and do you, and do you think those kind of events are kind of changing the way people look at things? And you know, because I feel like you go back just a few years ago, and we're seeing, and I guess it's still a problem now. But you would you would turn on the TV, or you would go online, or you'd be looking at an ad campaign, or you know, so many places, and you would kind of constantly be seeing your typical straight white cis people and you know people are i think waking up a bit and saying you know we need to be representative of everything and everyone do you think you know events like that are making a difference oh they absolutely are um you know you can tell by the the people just um it inspires people to do good work Mm. those those are more for the workplace if you're you know they're more corporate yeah but i also do stuff um i do the pied power list uh, it comes out in the Guardian. Oh, um, yes, I, I've I've read through it. I've read through <laughs> it. So uh, we do that, and when I think back to when we started doing that, we couldn't even get a hundred names. Yeah. To to get on the list, yeah. but now it's just like you know, literally, we could do the top thousand. You know, so that's how much it changed for yeah. the gay community. Well, I, I and again going back to kind of LGBT plus artists, I remember first when I was trying to compile a list of all the LGBT plus musicians I could think of, I was like, oh gosh, this is going to be this is going to be a struggle. And I was like, okay, I've got ten names, and then add to that, and now I've got hundreds and hundreds of names, and like you know, every day I'm adding to that, and you know, it's it, it is growing, and representation is in, improving, and 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 that's a wonderful thing. And you should be proud of everything you're doing for contributing to that. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, later on in the show, we are going to be reacting to our lovely listeners sex confessions so if you would like a bit of advice or you've got a burning question or you just want to spill your secrets to us you can do that anonymously by emailing callum at fubarradio.com i think it's about time for a bit of music um linda i've got a little bit of moona for you and they are three queer women i believe which seems very relevant to this conversation this is loudspeaker
Ah, okay. Yes. So <laughs> Linda and I were just having uh, having a chat there, um, and I wasn't paying attention. Um, <laughs> um, the date of the music festival is in coming up in December, I believe. Um, no, I'm telling. I'm being told it. I'm absolutely wrong, and it's not. It is the thirtieth of November. Is that right, Linda? Yeah. yeah. Up until the second of December. So it's a weekend affair. Yeah. Yeah. Great. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to get tickets to that, please, please do. Um, I think it's really important we support things like this where, you know, it's doing so much work for, you know, female representation and also for LGBT plus representation. And, you know, Diva's an incredible thing that I think we should be supporting. Thank you. Uh, Linda, I think um, I want to have a little bit more of a chat about kind of wider LGBT plus representation because um, I feel like. I, I don't know if you're a big Netflix fan, <laughs> but I feel like, you know, we get, we're getting a lot more kind of lesbian and bisexual um, representation in things like TV shows and films now. And I feel like, you know, I, I, I watch so many Netflix shows, for instance, where it's, it's becoming so much more common to see a lesbian character or to see a bisexual character. But it's also not a scandal like maybe it was like 20 years ago or even 10 years ago. You know, it used to be oh, this, this character's coming out as a lesbian. This is, this is a huge thing. This is shocking. I do feel like it's slowly becoming more normalized. Um, and I kind of I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. How, you know, how much do you think things have improved? Um, I think they've improved. Uh, it's like you say, the, the, big, the big thing for lesbians was Anafriel. Uh, with the big lesbian kiss in Brookside years ago and that caused an absolute mm. scandal. Then we moved on to Coronation Street and not so much of a scandal but still when Rosie was a lesbian yeah um but now you're right in Netflix there are a lot of there are a lot more lesbian characters and people are talking about it without it being so important mm. like just matter of factly M- my big issue on it is um there just aren't enough uh, lesbian actresses playing these roles and it's a yeah I do a lot of work in in the states as well yeah uh, on this because everybody says oh it's just acting yeah and um as I said to you before about naming lesbian uh, artists, uh, when you go to naming lesbian actors, and uh, uh, basically you can't pull out any big names. It's, it's the same again. It's a real struggle to think of people. Or just, I guess, even like lesbian celebrities in general, like Ellen obviously springs to mind and um, Jodie Foster. Is she a lesbian? She, <laughs> I'm, so, she, see, I'm, I'm the worst. She's a late in life lesbian. Yeah, she, right, yeah. She, she came out a couple of years ago, but... I okay. think there was whispers for many years. Yeah, sure. You, but yeah, you, but you're absolutely right. You know, it is. It, you do struggle. You think, oh yeah, there's loads of le- there's loads of lesbian celebrities. There's loads of lesbian actors and musicians. And then y- you know, you get asked the question point blank, and it's like, oh, okay, I'm I'm really struggling. And I think if you and I are struggling, you know, yourself um, being such an important part of Diva Magazine, a lesbian magazine, myself working in the LGBT plus community in many ways, you know, we should be the people who are able to kind of list them off and if we can't it shows that there's there's, there's so much more needed mm. um but i mean even for you kind of growing up and things how how did it affect you personally you know first what you know your first when when did you first see lesbian representation on tv or in a film and and how did that make you feel uh as i said the first one was uh anna frill that, um, that was that one yeah. yeah i mean i could go back to the killing of sister george but i won't go there uh because that was a very butch femme uh, film that was quite big uh, that I remember. I wasn't not I wasn't lesbian when it was actually made. I think that was nineteen sixties. But there, there wasn't much on. Uh, people always ask me, 
who are my role models, uh, yeah. for example. Yeah. And um, then I come along, I, I, I was talking recently and I said, oh, Martina Navratilova, you know, mm. they were the, the, the audience was like, who's that? But they were very, very lesbians with very few and far between when I was growing up. Yeah. So now I see... Uh, I see a big change, uh, but not 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 the massive change that I'd like to see, like mm. with the um, the gay male community. Yes, uh, you know, you go to a situation like George Michael, you know, who is very very closeted. You don't mm. see that so much anymore. I don't know what what you think. So, uh, in television, um, I think there's a lot more lesbian characters, but I'm I'm very strong on. Um, lesbians playing those characters yes yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, uh, yeah you're absolutely right so but what about um shows like i guess orange is the new black because i believe they were they were, were they on the cover of diva they were a big part of yeah. one of the issues yeah they were i mean orange is the new black they're great because they have uh, lesbian characters but unfortunately uh the only problem that i have with that is uh it's obviously set in a prison we expect to see all sure, the lesbians sure. you know so i'd like to see some lesbians out of prison uh when we go to lesbian shows, what we find often uh, when we have lesbian characters in any main films in the last few years, uh, they always get killed off. Yes. You know, they yeah, die yeah. a lot. So we've been complaining a lot about that, the lesbian community. Um, Orange and New Black is great. It's, it's built some big stars like Ruby Rose. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. It's probably one of the most famous um, uh, gay women on the planet at the moment. So, uh, yeah, th- this it's definitely growing. I, I feel like what I loved about um, Orange is the New Black is that as I watched it, you know, the, the, there is still, you know, you get you watch the first couple of episodes and there still almost is that, you know, surprise factor. Like, oh, there's, lo- there's, lo- there's loads of lesbians. There's quite graphic lesbian sex, etc. But then once you start watching it, you almost become desensitized to it. And I mean that in a good way. I mean that in such a positive way. It's that suddenly as you watch it further and further, you just kind of expect these lesbian um, love stories and romances to appear and some some of those stories are incredible but then you are right there is you know there is death and it is set in a prison <laughs> and and it's funny you say that because if I was to name a, another show that is great on LGBT plus representation it would be Wentworth the Australian <laughs> show which again is set in a prison so yeah I absolutely see what you're saying it, it, it is something that kind of needs to be addressed and, and, and needs to be improved upon I love B. <laughs> I love B. And uh, we know what happened to B. I don't want to give any spoilers to our audience, but you can probably guess from the way that this conversation um, has gone. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, you're absolutely right. We do need to do better. But, it, you know, I, I like to think that young lesbian, bisexual women growing up now at least have a few places where they can feel seen. Because do you remember Sugar Rush? That was a huge I thing do, yeah. when I was a teenager. Mm. Um, and, yeah, it's just really, really important. Yeah, um, it we, is. Uh, sorry, Linda, go. Yes, I was cutting you mention, off. I, I was just going to mention. I forgot to mention different for girls. I mean, that, I don't know if you've seen that web series. That's absolutely massive, but it didn't get um, airplay on mainstream TV. Uh, so, what was that called? Different for girls. Yeah, it's a web series. I'm actually executive producer of it, but it's a massive lesbian series. It's had a million downloads on the web. Oh wow! But it hasn't made mainstream for some reason, which is a little bit sad. Yeah, no, <laughs> that, that that's really disappointing. But um, yeah. 
It's, I, 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 yeah, it's, it is, it is um, disappointing. Uh, we are going to be joined by the incredible Matthew Hodson very, very shortly. We, it is National HIV Testing Week this week, so we're going to be having a conversation around that. National HIV Testing Week is something that is incredibly important to me. Um, I've worked on the campaign for many, many years, um, and I think it's really important and something we should chat about. So let's have a little bit of music, and then we will get the lovely Matthew to join us. This is... Femme Fatale by Kim King King Princess got there in the end. Well, Linda, I described you as somebody who within the LGBT plus community is somebody that everybody knows and everybody admires and everybody respects and I most certainly do um, and we are joined now by the lovely Matthew Hodson who is another person I feel like is very well respected within <laughs> this community and somebody I absolutely love and adore how are you Matthew? Oh, I'm fantastic, Callum. How are you? Oh, I'm very, very good. I mean, all, all the better for having you on the show. You've been somebody we've wanted to get on for a long time, so it's great to have you here. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Looking forward to it. Yeah, and, and we are joined in the studio by the lovely Linda Riley. I, I, your, the path, your tooth path must have crossed at some point, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I, I, I uh, met Linda, well, we certainly met at the uh, Black Pride event, uh, uh, not this year, the year before. So uh, I think we've been to quite a few parties together. Amazing. You know, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm so tempted to, to hijack the conversation and talk about Black Pride, but I'm not going to because there is something really, really important that we are going to talk about. And that is the fact that it is National HIV Testing Week. So, Matthew, I know you, you I mean, you've done so much work around HIV, but, you know, around HIV prevention, getting people to get tested, um, you know, spreading the message about um, people not being able to pass on HIV if they're on effective treatment, all of these things. But so give us a little bit of a lowdown on, on, the, on the incredible work you do and why Testing Week is so important. Right. Well, I mean, I, I work for NAM now. I, I previously used to work for GMFA, the Gay Men's Health Charity. Yes. Um, and so that was very much about prevention. Now I'm much more working on information. But of course, actually, information is hugely powerful. And the information is actually how we ensure that people with HIV can live their best, longest lives. Mm. And people without HIV are given the power to prevent acquiring HIV. So it's kind of two sides to the same coin. Yeah. Um, this week... HIV testing week. This has been an amazing innovation which we've seen in the last few years and it's had a real impact. And the impact isn't just that people are getting tested, it's that people are getting tested and then they start treatment. And when they're on treatment, then they don't pose any risk of HIV transmission to their sexual partners, mm -hmm. which is completely fantastic. I mean, this, this, is, this is the news that gets me really excited and really thrilled about the work I'm doing because we're yeah. really starting to see the impact now. And do you, do, uh, one, one kind of problem that I've noticed over the years, because, you know, I've done so much work around HIV myself, is that mm -hmm. there's almost, um, I feel there's a lot of people out there who almost, it's like they refuse to believe that this is the case. You know, we, we have such effective treatment now that means that people can't, that people can live a full and healthy life, but also that they can't pass HIV on onto other people. But there's almost like a, an unwillingness to believe that fact. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, and I think that's because we've had, you know, like kind of 30 plus years of being told that HIV is the worst thing ever. I mean, you, you know, if you go and see a stand-up show and the, 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 the comedian is doing some joke about, and then a really, really bad thing happened, and it's usually AIDS, and I just sit there and go, yeah. still, you know, it's become so much kind of a part of that kind of cultural kind of iconography is that, you know, the worst thing that could ever happen to anyone is HIV. And it's quite a challenge to move from that and the, from those images of people dying and, you know, the sunken cheeks and all of that to say, actually, people with HIV now, same life expectancy as everybody else, plus we become uninfectious when our treatment is effective, which it is for most people in the UK. So, you know, I mean, it, it, it's, it's just a big shift. And I understand why it's really hard to take that on. Mm. Especially if you were around and you saw people dying and you lost, you know, your friends and your lovers and yeah. all, you know all of that. It's it's a, it's a trauma. It's a trauma for lots of us. Mm. And, and and how do you, how do you think we kind of? And I know you know so much of the work you're doing is doing this. But how do you think we kind of educate people and get people to try and you know change the way that they think about HIV? Well, I mean, obviously, it's about information. I mean, information is how we dispel fear. It's how we dispel ignorance. It's how we tackle stigma. And the news that when we are undetectable, we are no longer a transmission risk to our sexual partners. We call this U equals U, undetectable equals untransmittable. I mean, this news is really groundbreaking. I mean, I've seen, literally, I've seen people go from saying, oh, I'd never have sex with someone who's living with HIV, to saying, oh, Oh, that makes all the difference. You know, yes. I mean, it's, it's, you, know, it, you see that change as soon as people know it and understand it. So what I'm saying to people right now, I'm saying, well, here's the challenge. Find someone this week, find someone this week who doesn't know about you equals you, who doesn't mm. realize the impact of treatment on prevention. Give them this information. And when they've understood it and when they say, yeah, I take that on board, I know this to be true now, then, tell, then set them the challenge of telling somebody else because this is how we are going to spread the word. It's going to be one person to one person. We have all of this information on the AIDS map website. Um, so if someone can come in and they can have a look and look at all of the studies that show us that this is true. But the, the thing that's going to count is when we tell people. And that's why I spend a lot of my time telling people about this. Yeah, I, I, I think that's so important. And, you know, I hope that that's something that we can achieve here on the show today. I hope everybody listening, you know, if you if you didn't already understand um, everything Matthew was just saying about you equals you um, and you do understand it now, I you know, I, I really strongly urge you to, you know, not just take that on board yourself and, you know, let that change the way you think about HIV, but also do pass that knowledge on because like Matthew is saying, it's so, so important. And the, and the only way to kind of, improve things is is information and, and and the best way to spread that information is on the grapevine is by word of mouth yeah I mean, we used to have the saying when i worked at gmfa we used to say shag one nag one so you know i mean if every gay man <laughs> if every gay man did that we would get there fairly quickly i reckon <laughs> i mean i st- I, 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 st- I struggle to to, to to shag guys i'm not I'm, i've not been very lucky in my sex life recently matthew so I'm maybe sorry to hear that <laughs> so I've, do- I've been doing a lot more nagging than shagging i would say maybe, maybe you need to kind of reverse the order you know, start off with the shag, then move on to the nag. Maybe that's what's stopping the shagging. <laughs> I, think, I, think that, I think that would work. Um, you sounded a bit of a lesbian there. <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing I wanted to talk about, Matthew, and I think this is a really, really important message that I want to share with everyone, and I know it's something that, you, that you're quite passionate about as well, is that this kind of idea that when people think about getting tested for HIV... Um, 
I think people don't realize that no matter the outcome of your HIV test, it, 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 it's a good thing because either you get tested for HIV and you and you find out that it's negative, which is obviously great, or you get a positive HIV test, which, you know, that, that that's not actually a bad thing. You're finding out, you're being given a diagnosis which allows you to get treatment, which will, you know, enable you to live a long and healthy life and a, a full life, the same as everybody else. And I think that's a really, really important message to share. Absolutely. I mean, when I was diagnosed, and I was diagnosed what, 20 years ago now, mm-hmm. and um, I felt, oh, well, you know, I just, just, I think I'll probably die when I'm about the age of 50. Yeah. You know, and that was just what I thought, because mm-hmm. I just thought, you know, 20 years, that's a good innings. We had treatment then, but, you know, it wasn't as established as it is now. And then just last year, I was at a meeting, um, Public Health England said, someone who is diagnosed with HIV now and is able to access uh, treatment promptly has exactly the same life expectancy as someone who isn't living with the virus. Mm. And, you know, and that was just a, one of those kind of big emotional moments because you're going to go, what, it, everything that we had thought about HIV, everything that's kind of built into our culture about HIV, which is that you will die, you will die young, yeah. you will die young and in pain. And I want to say to people, it, it really isn't like that. The biggest challenge most of us who live with HIV face now is people's fear and ignorance and the stigma that comes out of that. Mm. And and what kind of damage do you think that fear and stigma does? You know, other than the obvious, you know, because people do experience discrimination because of their status, which is horrendous. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I mean, I've been really open about my HIV status, and for me, I have to say that that's been really helpful because, mm. you know, quite frankly, if someone like kind of tries to shame me or whatever, you know, I mean, like, you get those attitudes where someone goes, "Oh, well, you must have been a slut, or you must have been really stupid, or yeah. what have you," and I kind of go, "Yeah, fine, whatever." Um, and you know, or I get kind of you know, people saying, I, I, "I talk about you equals you," and people say, "Oh, what? You don't tell me you have unprotected sex," and it's like. You know, okay. Well, you know, none of your business. But yeah. I think I think you're trying to slut shame me, and you're really you're going for the wrong person here. So, so you, know, you can probably spend your energies better elsewhere. But I do know how difficult it is for for other people. And you know, if you're not out to your family, if you're not out to your employer, and if you take on board the things which you hear about people who live with HIV—that sluttiness, that stupidity, all of those things which people say on a regular basis—it has an impact. And yeah. and you know, what I say is, is is that actually HIV stigma is a public health crisis. Absolutely. And you, we really need to be putting resource and energy and effort into tackling that because that is resulting in bullying, it's resulting in violence, it's resulting in self-harm, you know, and in extreme cases, it results in suicide and murder. Mm. You know, and we see this around the world and it breaks my heart when I hear about lives being lost unnecessarily, not because of the virus, but because of the stigma is still attached to the virus. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really, really heartbreaking. And, you know, over the years, I've got to meet some incredible people living with HIV who have shared their stories with me and shared how people have, you know, bullied them and harassed them and all of these horrible things. You know, there was a there was this incredible pastor and, you know, she shares her, her story publicly, but I'm not going to name her right now. But this incredible pastor who was told by her church, she she contracted HIV from her husband who didn't know that he had it. And, you know, she was shamed by her church and and kicked out of her church for having HIV. And she was told that she had to stop taking her medication and to start 
praying you know that that's the kind of damage that i feel like miseducation can do and you know there was another story of this of this young girl who was diagnosed with hiv at 11 years old because she was born with hiv and people in her school bullied her and instead of her school standing up for her her school actually removed her from the school and said that she was the problem you know these these are the kind of problems that hiv stigma causes and it's and it's very serious and it's very damaging and if anything it it, it makes people afraid to get tested which you know is a huge issue so the thing i would say to someone who's just been diagnosed i'd say three things one get yourself educated find out about life expectancy find out about all the treatments that are available to work with your doctor to ensure that you're taking a course of treatment which is going to work for you which fits in with your life and which your body can cope with Mm. three moisturize you're going to live a long time (laughs) i love that final one um and i actually heard and i don't know if this is true um but i did hear a, a, a rumor and i think it's a theory that some people living with hiv are actually expected to live slightly longer because they're taking such good care of their health because they're you know seeing their doctor more frequently there's actually this expectation that in the future it could potentially cause people to live longer in an indirect route, you know? Well, I mean, we, we actually already seen, I mean, there's kind of quite a body of evidence that this is starting to happen. Oh, wow. This is mainly because men, we, we, I mean, men are terrible. I mean, I'm sure Linda will agree with me on this. Room, rubbish. <laughs> um, <laughs> we are, and one of the things which we're particularly bad at, we're bad at a lot of things, but we're really, really bad at looking after our own health. So we don't go to the doctor. Mm. Um, but, you know, the wonderful advantage of living with HIV is that we're forced to go to the doctor at least twice a year. And, you know, while you're there, they say, well, you know, how are you feeling? Blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I, I sit there kind of griping about the fact that my bones are aching because I've just done a 10K run. But, you know, they, <laughs> they do dismiss that. But it does give people the opportunity to talk about any other health issues. And it's just because men are crap. That, that really, if, if it's men who are living with HIV, it just gets them into medical services a bit more often. So it's much more likely that other challenges or issues will be detected early. Yeah, it's, it's a great thing. And, and as well, Matthew, um, I also want our, our audience and our listeners to know that, like, you know, t- taking HIV medication, for instance, isn't this big, complicated thing. It's not like 30 pills a day, because I think there's like a, a misunderstanding around that as well, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, we've got so much better at treating HIV, and that's you know really important. So it used to be that you would have to take lots of pills, and sometimes the dosing regimen might be quite complicated, like you had to take it with food or not with food, or you know, you know, I've heard horror stories about people having to take kind of pills at like kind of six different times of the day, and some with food and some without, and it's like, oh. Most people now, it's like one or two pills, and usually you take it once a day, and often it's nothing to do with food. Myself, I just take. My pills, I actually have to take three, but, you know, I take my three pills just before I go to bed every night, um, which is kind of easy. Yeah. You know, I just, you know, it's part of the routine. I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty good at it now. And I think for most people, you know, find a regimen that suits you. If you're on a regimen which is difficult to take, change your regimen because there are options available. Yeah. And that's really important is that, you know, people with HIV should talk to their doctor and make sure that whatever treatment they're on is one that suits them or one which they can stick to. Yeah. Well, Matthew, it's it's been incredible to have you on the show. I feel like we should hit our, our, our listeners with a final three points. So your main three takeaway points summarized. Okay. Go. <laughs> Putting you on the okay. spot. Main three takeaway points. Uh, if 
there's any chance that you are living with HIV and you haven't been diagnosed, take advantage of HIV testing. We go and get tested. Not only will it mean that if you are living with HIV, you'll live a long life, but you'll also be contributing to bringing down the actual number of new infections because you'll become uninfectious. And how fantastic is that? Um, I think I probably got about three points into that one single Smashed one. Perhaps I should quit while I'm ahead. <laughs> Smashed it. Well, Matthew, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for coming and talking to us. Thank you, Callum. Thank you. I'm going to play you out with a little bit of Lizzo. This is Water Me. We have been tweeted in by the lovely Hadley Stewart, who says, home just in time to catch Callum McSwiggan on FUBAR Radio. Thank you so much for listening, Hadley. You know that I love you. It is time for our favourite part of the show. This is Sex Confession. So thank you so much to everyone who has sent in a confession. How, how are you feeling about this, Linda? Are you excited? Bit nervous. Bit but... nervous. Bit nervous. All right. Let, let's let's dive right in. Actually, this 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 first one is a, is is a good one. This is quite a serious one, but a, a good one to address. So, I went off my antidepressants because it killed my libido. Now I'm horny twenty four seven, and it's great. I don't think I'll go back on them, but my moods are all over the place, and I'm not sure what to do. So I have a lot. I don't know if you have anything to say on this, Linda, but I have a I have a lot to say on this one. I don't, I'm just looking. Is it sex or depression? Is that what? Well, that, so, so yeah. So this is the thing. So that when because because I have experience of this. I used to take antidepressants. I took citalopram um, about three years ago, and this was actually something that I noticed. I noticed that it did also kill my libido. I found that suddenly I wasn't as horny or wanting sex as usual, and it was quite a I wouldn't say difficult thing, but it was quite an unusual experience because I wasn't kind of expecting it. You know, I hadn't really been warned about it. But what I will say is that antidepressants, you know, they they, they completely changed and saved my life. You know, they got me to a much better place and they certainly helped me on my path to recovery. So I would never advise somebody not to take them because they're worried about this, about it killing their libido. Um, And also it was something that passed. You know, I felt for about six weeks when I first started taking them i noticed that my sex drive went went through the floor it went really really down but then i started to get it back over time and i think it was just my body kind of adjusting so although i think it you know thank you so much for sending in um your confession confession seems like the wrong word thank you for sending in your little story there and i'm you know and i'm glad that you're 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 saying that your your horniness has come back and that's great um but you know if you are still struggling i would say kind of talk to your doctor first of all obviously myself and linda neither of us are medical professionals so do talk to your doctor but from my own personal anecdotal advice i would say you know if you if you do stick it out with the antidepressants i feel like your horniness and your sex drive will hopefully come back Good, nailed it. Um, Linda. Speaks to the voice of experience. I I, I didn't like to say about that one. I love that I I gave the answer and then said nailed it. I'm just sitting sitting here congratulating myself. You did, you did. (laughs) All right, our next one is, my boyfriend has such long hair that when we go out after we've had sex, we always find cum in his hair. We have to pick it out on the lowdown. How funny. (laughs) Uh, yeah this is uh, not one that I've had personal experience with I must say uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not good. I, I mean, I'm just going to suggest get a haircut, maybe. I, I think a haircut is the w- is the way to go. Myself and Linda, we've both got quite short hair, so I feel like this isn't an issue for us. So you know, maybe, maybe, maybe a haircut is the solution. 
<laughs> All right. And oh, okay. Wait. No. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm getting myself a little bit mixed up here. All right. The next one is: I matched with a guy on Tinder who plays semi-professional football. He sent me a picture of himself in his jersey, and since I don't know much about his team, I googled him. I found out he was engaged, even though he assured me he was single. So I decided to take screenshots of our messages and send them to his fiance. Right. I don't like that last sentence. I don't like that you did that. I don't think that was the right thing to do at all. Um, what do you think about this, Linda? No, I didn't like that at all. No. I didn't, I didn't like the cheating for a start, but then yeah. I think just end it. Yeah, I don't. It's, 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 a really, it's a really tricky one, but essentially you're, you're finding yourself in a position where you're meddling in somebody else's life. And, you know, I, I, I get the frustration that, you know, you're hooking up with this guy and, 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 and they have a fiancé and, and maybe they're not being honest with their fiancé, but it's not, it's not your place to out that person, whether it's to their partner or otherwise. And I don't mean this in a judgmental way. You know, thank you so much for sending, uh, I'm, sending I'm in your confession. I'm being judgmental. I think Linda's it's, being it's, judgmental. It's wrong. it's wrong. It sounds wrong. You're a monster. <laughs> 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 no, I, 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 I do agree. It's, it's, it's not the right thing to do. Um, I'm trying to. I'm trying to end it on a positive, but I'm struggling. Do, do you feel good about yourself after doing that? That's yeah. the main thing. If you do, then. Good for you. I, I think it's one of those things. I think sometimes we can act out of kind of like frustration or anger, but but you never, you know, it's never going to make you happy, you know, doing something like that, being like, well, I'm going to send screenshots to your fiance. It's not going to resolve anything. It's not going to fix your problem with this person. It's not going to fix this person's problem with their fiance. If anything, it's only, it's just exacerbating the issue. So I, I, I appreciate where you came from, but I don't think that was the right thing to do. So if you are listening, please don't do similar would be, would be my advice. Don't, don't do this. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you so much to everyone who did send in a confession. Even if we judged you heavily for it, we still very much appreciate you doing that. I feel guilty now. No, 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 you shouldn't, Linda. You spoke your mind and, 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 and I believe, and, you know, all power to you. We, we, we stand. It's only, it's only because somebody once did that to me. No, I'm only joking. No. Oh, I that. thought you were being serious. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, this is going to take a dark turn. Um, Linda, this actually brings you to the end of this show. Um, brings us to the end of the show, sorry. This has been, it's been so great to have you here. Um, I want you to tell our audience again about the music festival because we need to get people there. We need to get people supporting it. All female artists, LGBT plus artists, an incredible thing. You sell it to me, Linda. Sell it to you. It's the Diva Music Festival. I'll be there. Yes. <laughs> Heather Peace will be there. Halls will be there. Um... Grace Petrie, Katie Tunstall, Gabrielle. It's in Great Yarmouth. I mean, haven't you always wanted to go to Great always Yarmouth? Always wanted to go to Great Yarmouth. And uh, it's uh, next weekend, uh, Friday to Sunday, uh, 30th of November. Amazing. Book well, you, Book your tickets. I, I, may, I may get a ticket myself. I, 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 honestly, I just want to come for you, Linda. Anything. <laughs> we'll have a great time in the mud. <laughs> there's, there's beautiful uh, chalets there. They're really, 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 really well designed. It's like upmarket camping. Oh, nice. Well, you missed that part out. That's the, that's a bit, yeah. that. Well, you've said it now. That's what matters. <laughs> <laughs> well, Linda, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for being here. Um, Thank you. I'm going to play you out with a little bit of Honey Lavender. You've been listening to a FUBAR Radio podcast. For more information, go to foobarradio.com.